Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode of Redefined, from our Mobile Monday series on Facebook, Dr. Jim Johnson will share exclusive insights on the patterns and behaviors of who is moving to North Carolina and why. But first, do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. My name is Jim Johnson. I am a professor of strategy and entrepreneurship in the Keenan Flagler Business School at UNC Chapel Hill. I am delighted to be with you this afternoon to share a few thoughts. I'm a business demographer by training, and I want to share a few thoughts with you on the impact of COVID-19 on on North Carolina's demography. Data that I'm drawing upon today uh, and sharing with you is from uh, the post-2020 census population estimates for the period April 1st, 2020 to July 1st, 2021, which covers the first 15 months of the pandemic. And so the crucial issue is, is what happened to our state and nation during the pandemic. I want to talk about three big trends uh, at a high level today. I think our population was moving and grooving. I think our population was browning and graying, and our population was rebelling and disappearing. Let's talk first about moving and grooving. Um, uh, the, the real key takeaway from the um, pandemic uh, is uh, that uh, the South was the place uh, that experienced the most rapid growth during the period. The South, for that first 15 months of the pandemic, uh, gained about uh, grew by about 959,000 people, close to a million people. The Northeast lost close to a half million. Uh, the Midwest lost 144,000, and the um, Far West was growing pretty slowly at about 78 percent. Uh, 78,000 people. So the trend that we observed uh, for the last three or four decades with the South being the place, I often talk about the South rises again, that continued during the pandemic, if you will. And all of that 959,000 people uh, that we experienced growth in the South was driven by migration for the most part. You know, our population can grow for two reasons, uh, excess of births over deaths, a natural change, uh, more people moving in that are moving out. 94% of that 959,000 thousand people were newcomers, migrants. I call them pandemic refugees uh, entering our state. When you look at uh, the growth, uh, you see that profound uh, redistribution of population from the Northeast and the Midwest, both of which were losing population. Incredible growth in the South, but North Carolina grew even more rapidly than the nation as a whole and the South. We posted a 1.1% growth rate in that 15 months, adding about 112,000 people to the population of the state of North Carolina. So while 
The South was the primary region for growth and destination of pandemic refugees. North Carolina grew even more rapidly as a function of the relocation trend. And if you look at this, what you will see that North Carolina was the fourth most attractive migration destination during the pandemic. Every day for that 15 months, we got a net of about 253 newcomers arriving in the state uh, during the pandemic. All of those pandemic refugees fleeing major urban centers, a substantial number of them were arriving in North Carolina behind the numbers that arrived in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. We were the fourth most attractive migration destination during that period. California was losing 923 people every day. New York was losing 861 people every day. Illinois was losing uh, about 324 people every day. Many of those people, a lot of them ended up uh, in North Carolina, profoundly changing the complexion and size and composition of our population. Again, the fourth most uh, popular uh, 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 migration destination, 100% of our growth driven by migration during this period, dramatically transforming our population in the state of North Carolina. Um, prior to the pandemic uh, and uh, the decade 19, to 2010 to 2020, about 15 counties in uh, North Carolina captured uh, the majority of the growth uh, that we experienced during the first, the second decade of the new millennium. What you will see is that a much broader set of counties captured the majority of the growth about, uh, whereas two counties in the, the decade of uh, 2010 to 2020, uh, Wake and Mecklenburg captured about half of net population growth. What you will see is an expanded growth pattern um, with about six counties capturing about 50% of growth, 15 counties capturing about 74% of net growth, and 26 counties capturing about 80% of growth. So we had so many people arriving here uh, and those uh, original migration destinations um, uh, became overgrown, if you will, uh, uh, wasn't that much more land to expand and develop uh, and the cost of living uh, was going up in those places. And so surrounding counties, suburban counties and exurban counties began to grow pretty rapidly, expanding the, the list of migration magnet counties from about 15 during the previous decade to about 26 counties during the first 15 months of the my, uh, of the pandemic. What you will see as a, again, North Carolina, 253 migrants every day. The Raleigh market got about 62 uh, migrants every day. The Charlotte market, about 53 migrants every day. Um, the Myrtle Beach part of that's uh, uh, Brunswick County got about 20 people every day. Winston-Salem, about 15. Wilmington, 12. Asheville, 13. You can go down the list and you see the remaining markets got between two and eight newcomers every day transforming the composition of those communities and um, the real estate markets. And so this is a profound kind of change in the North Carolina experience. What distinguishes the uh, pandemic era, the first 15 months of the pandemic from the earlier period, as I indicated earlier, much of the growth was concentrated in Mecklenburg County and Charlotte and the central counties in just about all of the metropolitan areas. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw rapid growth and an increasing share 
of the population growth in the surrounding counties. In fact, uh, what we know now is in that both Durham and uh, Charlotte, uh, they experienced net out migration during the pandemic where much of all of the growth was in the surrounding counties, um, uh, probably related to the rising cost of housing in those markets, uh, the restricted amount of uh, additional undeveloped land to continue to grow. Uh, and so the, su the suburban counties and exurban counties were growing rapidly in those multi-county uh, metropolitan areas. So suburbanization, um, decentralization of population uh, characterized the pandemic era, or at least the first 15 months. At the same time that we were a migration destination, the fourth most attractive place, uh, and uh, a, a continuing spread of population beyond those migration magnets of the 2010-2020 uh, period, our population also continued to diversify during the period. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, that happened during the 2010-2020 uh, period, for the first time in history, the non-Hispanic white population declined by 5.1 million people. That decline continued during the first 15 months of the pandemic. What you will see is that the white population in uh, the United States declined by about 1.1 million. What that means of the 444,000 people that we added to the U.S. population during the pandemic, 100% uh, of that growth occurred among people of color led by Hispanics whose population grew by 936,000, uh, 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 led by Asians whose populations grew by 218,000, and people of mixed race, two or more race, grew, grew by 208,000. Uh, the African-American population, 154,000 net gain, and the American Indian Alaska Native by 9,100. So that growth offset the growth of the loss in white population, uh, leading to a net growth of about 444,000 people. That's what we call the browning of America, that those people of color driving change. North Carolina did not lose white population uh, or did not end up in white population decline. Uh, uh, the population, white population grew by about 31,000, but that was about 28% of the total growth. So again, about three quarters of net growth driven by people of color, the same kind of trend that we observed nationally with uh, Hispanics, Asians, African-Americans, Alaska Natives, and the mixed race population driving growth. So our markets are becoming far more diverse uh, as a function of the kind of change. This is a continuation of a trend that we observed during the preceding decade uh, of the browning of America. At the same time, the population uh, was graying. And looking at the United States, the most rapidly growing population during the pandemic uh, was uh, well, the, the sole source of growth really for the U.S. population was the 65 plus population increasing by about 1.7 million. Both the under 18 population decline and the 18 to 64 year old population decline. This is a huge issue for us because it speaks to a labor market challenge that we have. Where is the workforce going to come from if the if we have declining uh, po uh, growth uh, or population decline in both the under 18 population and the 18 to 64 population? Fortunately for North Carolina, 
the 18 to 64 population grew during the pandemic, but it was pretty slow growth. Again, the greatest growth occurred in the 65 plus population in part because the state is a major retirement destination and for both people who are already retired and people who are uh, contemplating retirement, many of them have children and grandchildren in the state of North Carolina and they're voting with their feet. And they did so during the pandemic uh, to be closer to their, their children and grandchildren and the like. And so this issue about uh, meeting demands and workforce demands uh, moving forward uh, with a slow growing and a, a 18 to 64 working age population and the pipeline behind it, the eight, under 18 population actually declining. The reason for that decline is below replacement level fertility. Uh, we've been, we've been, we've had low replacement level fertility ever since 2008 and during the pandemic, uh, it didn't get any better. Uh, um, we actually, uh, lost even greater population. We're browning and graying. Uh, we're the destination for people, uh, coming in and uh, we've experienced decentralized growth from the major population magnets. We're also, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of rebelling and disappearing of population. Uh, you hear it a lot about the great resignation. One of the things that CEOs talked about a lot uh, 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 in a survey was the challenge that they had in uh, uh, with labor, labor shortages. A 73% of, of CEOs uh, surveyed by Fortune, about 117 of them said they faced labor shortages. They had problems attracting and recruit, recruiting talent, 57% of them, and 51% said they had uh, problems retaining talent during the pandemic. Why? Because they, we saw this growing labor activism, something we hadn't seen in our economy and society for two or three decades. Uh, and what we know is, is that uh, women and people of color were fried up for change uh, on lockdown. Uh, lots of people began to reflect on their lives, their family circumstance, their work environments and the like. And the research shows that about four out of 10 people wanted to change jobs during the pandemic. Why did they want to change jobs? 36% of them were worried about, wanted better compensation and corporate benefits. 25% of them wanted better work-life balance. 16% lacked recognition for their work. 8% to find better corporate culture. And 5% uh, said the company didn't that companies' values didn't align with theirs, and another five percent said that they that uh, they liked a strong relationship with their peers and the organizations that they were working in. And a five percent said they don't know why they want to change jobs, but they wanted to be out of the job that they were in. And so this notion of of an enormous turnover in uh, the workplace called the Great Resignation was part of that rebelling. Uh, in, in, in terms of the current circumstances around the world of work and how people felt about the places that they worked vis-a-vis uh, -vis their own family and personal lives. Uh, at the same time, in terms of rebelling, and there were, uh, in addition to rebelling, there was a population, lots of deaths during the pandemic. Uh, and if we look at uh, the, the statistics, what we know is that the COVID pandemic reduced life expectancy among all races by about 1.1 years. Among whites, it reduced life expectancy about seven tenths of a year. But among Latinos and African-Americans, 
You see uh, major reductions in life expectancy of three and two years, respectively. This is what undergirds all of the questions about um, the disparate impact of the pandemic on uh, people of color uh, has enormous implications moving down the road uh, for the demand for housing, for uh, the, the workforce and the health and well-being of the people we have to tap into for uh, work moving forward. Probably one of the biggest uh, aspects of disappearing was the adverse impact that the pandemic had on drug overdose deaths. Um, they soared during the pandemic, during the first year, drug overdose deaths, they're called deaths of, uh, of depression uh, due to suicide, alcohol, and drug abuse. Uh, there were about 90,000 of them in 2020, about a 30% increase over the 2019 death toll. One expert said it's the biggest increase in deaths in the history of the United States. Uh, the issue was far too many people who were struggling with drug addiction were forced into isolation and didn't have access to in-person drug treatment and counseling, and that proved to be deadly. Um, it increased well over 100,000 about a year later from the, those earlier uh, statistics and from uh, mid 20 to mid 2021, about 100,000 people uh, do, uh, drug over, died of drug overdoses and the like. And understand that these are people who are prime working age people for the most part, usually uh, 24 to 45 age range. Uh, sometimes it's younger than that now, but these are people that we're going to need to pay into the social security system, uh, buy houses and all other kinds of consumer goods and services and uh, propel our, our nation and our economy, but they're dying much too early. If you look at the statistics for North Carolina, opioid statistics, which uh, and we're comparing 2019 prior to the pandemic with 2021, about 15 months into the pandemic. And what you will see uh, over that period, there was a 59 uh, close to a 60% increase in deaths, an increase of 1,407 deaths during that period due to opioid abuse. Uh, the emergency room department uh, increased by 29% uh, from about 12,000 uh, hospitalizations to about 15,000, an increase of about uh, 3,596 hospitalizations and a 40% increase in the Noxalone reversals. That is bringing people back to life. Uh, we did that. The increase was about 1,194 1, people. Again, these are prime working age individuals uh, that we need uh, to be healthy and contributing in, in our society moving forward. Um, the other thing that I think is our challenge out of the pandemic is yes, we had about 26 counties that benefited in terms of growth and development, but we also had a large number of counties who have been left behind in that whole process. Uh, and uh, this is the group of counties, uh, about nine of them that experienced biological population decline during the pandemic. What does that mean? Yes, they had uh, more people move into the county than to leave the county, but 
they had more deaths than they did have births and the excess deaths outweighed by a long shot the number of people coming in. They were biologically declining populations in these communities. Uh, and if you see that they lost about 1,157 people collectively uh, because uh, 2,676 more deaths than there were births in those communities. Uh, while you had 1,500 people moving in, there were just far more deaths than births. So that's a biological decline. Uh, and these are counties that are left behind. And the question is, what do we do about that moving forward? Even more startling, we had uh, another group of counties, about 17 of them, that uh, death succeeded births and out-migration exceeded in-migration. When those two things align, when there are more deaths than there are births and more people leave a place than move there, you are literally a dying county. And these are those counties where hospitals are closing or at risk of closing, where disinvestment is the order of the day, where there's lack of broadband access and a whole range of other things. These are the kinds of places that we're going to have to focus on in terms of development moving forward. The thing that I didn't talk about is, is that uh, in the, the beauty of having large numbers of people uh, migrate uh, to our state, uh, they uh, many of them uh, brought a migration dividend with them in terms of their incomes and ability to buy housing. So it drove up the price of housing. What we have is a housing affordability crisis and probably the biggest crisis in the population growth uh, magnets is the situation uh, that exists now is that we have priced out of the market the very people who are hired to protect public health and safety and educate our kids, police officers, fire personnel, uh, EMS workers, nurses, and public school teachers. Uh, we have to figure out how to do a better job on workforce housing in these environments. And given the large number of people who are 65 or older who are migrating to our, uh, to our state and the number of people who are aging in place, we need to think in real estate terms about age-friendly housing and community development to ensure that there's equal opportunity of access and mobility in our communities and in our housing. Um, we don't have time to talk about it today, but the real challenge moving forward is we're in an era of slowing total population growth. Uh, in the fresh 15 months of the pandemic, we had the slowest rate of growth in our history. And for the first time, and since the census has been gathered, it's the first time that the population has increased uh, in a 12 month period by less than a million people. We only grew by 444,000. I worry a lot about the potential for climate migration. Will many of these people who are pandemic refugees who settled in our states, many of those places that they've settled in are vulnerable to uh, adverse weather events. Will we see a subsequent climate migration and what are the consequences of that? We need to think about how do we figure out how to deal with deaths of despair um, because those are prime working age people that we're gonna need to propel our state and future growth, particularly given the large number of successes we've had in recruiting major uh, industries to our state. Uh, we need that talent to, uh, to drive the workforce. Uh, uh, declining fertility is an issue because um, 
We need a pipeline of young talent to continue to propel our growth. And how do we figure out how to incentivize growth in these decaying counties? How do we incent, like we incent businesses to locate in some communities? How do we incent people to relocate to our declining communities? Because we're only as strong as our weakest link. Okay, thank you very much. To get exclusive NC Realtors content, join the NC Realtors Mobile Mondays group on Facebook. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud.